Haley. Catherine. Do you know how we got our podcast started so fast? How? We use the Anchor app. What's the Anchor app? Well, it's a really cool app. It's completely free and it'll distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Wow, it literally does all the work for you pretty much. Basically. For free? And yeah, and you can make money on your podcast. It's free. It's completely free. Anything you need to make your podcast will be all on Anchor. Wow. I'm more dependable than anyone in my life, so... I mean, (laughs) you said it. (laughs) Um, So if you guys are interested in starting a podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started. Thanks. Hey, what's up? Haley. Hey, what's up, Catherine? How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, good. How are you? I'm good. Just been, you know, living life. Living life to the, the fullest? The fullest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty full myself. I'm full of myself. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. say <laughs> no. Um, are you ready for some true crime... A. It's true crime week. The one true? week I don't have to do anything but listen to you talk to me. I know. I love story time. I know. I love story time too. Yes. Um, I literally sit at home all... Well, I could sit at home all day and watch like forensic files, yeah. but I have my own personal forensic file right here. <laughs> um, Have you... Before we get into the, to the real true crime that we're talking about... Yes. Have you heard about the Gabby case? The Gabby Petito case? It's kind of hard not to have heard about it. Oh, yeah. Like, it's all everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. (laughs) It's sad. It's very sad. Very sad. Yeah, they, I guess, what is it? Where was it? In Indiana or something? They just confirmed. Was it Wyoming? Yeah. Yeah, Wyoming. They just confirmed, like, that they found her body. Um, Yeah, we're posting this in a couple days, but when we're recording it, it's pretty close to the time that they found her but the thing is is that the thing that i think is so cool is the fact that people online were able to like do more than like cops <laughs> like yeah they use have, have you heard of don't fuck with cats right <laughs> like i refuse to watch it but yeah i've heard it's a great story right um so i think that i think that we could channel all this gabby petito energy into other stories Oh yeah, for sure. It, I feel like if we did even half the <laughs> yeah, uh, what's the word? Legwork. <laughs> like half the effort. Yeah. And uh, any other missing persons case. Right. Yeah. So if you guys are looking for other cases of any other missing people, you can follow us on Facebook. I posted one just today or yesterday, I think. Um. And it was for Jelani Day. Have you heard of Jelani Day? Mm-mm. I did see your post, though. Jelani Day was missing from Illinois, Bloomington, Illinois. He was last seen on Tuesday morning, August 24th, on a security camera at ISU Bone Student Center. He was reported missing on Wednesday by his family, and his vehicle was found on Thursday, concealed in a wooded area in Peru, Illinois, about 60 miles north of normal. Uh... 
An extensive ground search and aerial search was conducted. So they're still looking for him. <clears throat> that he's missing under unexplained suspicious circumstances. So he's he's one of the big missing cases that are happening right now. And if you live in Illinois and you have any information on him, his picture's on the Facebook. So you can go to Saturdays for the Ghouls Facebook. And find and him. And look up, or you just look up Jelani Day, you can probably find it. And a couple other cases are Lauren Cho and um, Daniel Robinson. They are both missing from around August or July. So it's uh, important that we look for other people to give uh, the same, if not at least half effort that we did for Gabby. It's just, I don't know, I don't know how Gabby got more attention. Attention. I mean, a lot of people say it's because she's white. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And that's what I'm thinking too, because the, the other people are people of color. It's that I that I sad. just mentioned are all people of color. I, I I mean I can't think of any other reason. Right. Like it's really sad. That's super sad. If, like no. But we can all do our little bit of parts of sharing of just sharing it on your Facebook in case you know anyone who might know something. <laughs> but it's important that we are looking for everyone and those kinds of things. So But yeah, let me get into my story. Your story. My story. We're going to 2000. Nope. Nope. We're going to 1994 in San Antonio, Texas. Oh. Yes. Texas. Texas. Um, Nicholas Barclay, he grew up, he had two older siblings, one brother and one sister. He had a lot of behavior issues while he was growing up, so he would, like, fight with his, like, mom or fight with his teachers and I'm assuming it's more like arguing but he had a lot of like disruptions in class and he even like broke into like a corner store and by the age of 13 he already had a juvenile record and he had gotten he had gotten three tattoos from his friends using like Like just like a stick and poke yeah Mm -hmm. um and he was diagnosed with ADD his mom decided that she wasn't able to really fully take care of him um, in the way that he needed. And so she asked her son, um, Jason, to come and move back home to help assist her with raising her son or taking care of him. Now, this is where I am like, that's not your son's job. Like, Like, it's kind of not nice of you to ask your son to come move back to take care of his brother. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I understand you're having a hard time and, like, Blah, blah, but it's not fair to him to have to come back to take care of a child that you had. (laughs) When there are other resources that maybe they could have used to, like, help with his behavior issues. Therapy. Right. Psychologist. (laughs) Right. I refuse to go to. (laughs) You should try it sometimes. Great. Yeah, I heard. Um, so, on June 13th, 1994, he was out playing basketball in his neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, and he called home, uh, looking for a ride home, and his, his brother answered the phone, um, and his brother said, Mom just worked, like, a double shift. I'm not waking her up. You're gonna have to walk home. Now, I don't really know, like, I didn't see, like, a map of where the basketball court was compared to where the, the um, house, was. house was, but I'm assuming since he told him to walk, it was relatively close. Right. The basketball court did sound like it was in his neighborhood, and the neighborhood is a relatively good neighborhood. There's in Texas, they're allowed to like 
in the event of a missing person or a missing child in that neighborhood, they're able to background check everyone in the neighborhood. And they did background checks on everyone. There was no one who had any violent crimes. No one had any, um, no no sex offenders in this neighborhood, nothing. So there, this was a pretty good neighborhood that he was walking through if he walked home. Right, like no sus. Nobody no, was sus. No one was sus. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he never came home. So police, at first, when they called saying he never came home, he believed that they were he was actually running away mm-hmm. and that he was not missing. Because of his previous actions and all of his issues, he was actually going to be going to court the next day to see if he was going to be sent to some kind of like rehabilitation center. Um, so they thought that maybe he had just run away. And so the police didn't, like, take anything seriously until a couple days later when he still had not returned home. And so I feel like that's kind of where they lost it, where the police didn't react soon enough, mm-hmm. and they, they made him wait a couple days because they thought he would return home, because most children who run away return home on their own. Um, and so it was, I feel like it was kind of unfair to judge him on his path. He's 13. Like, to judge him on the fact that he was... Right, like, has he run away before? Right. (laughs) To judge him on the fact that he has a record and stuff, just simply because, I mean, he was also missing. And that he was 13, you know, like, Mm -hmm. anything could have happened to him. So, an investigation finally began, and there were no leads, but that's what happens when you wait so long. X amount of days. Yeah. <laughs> so for three months they kept trying to look and they they couldn't find anything. And so Jason actually called three months after his disappearance and said, hey, I can hear Nicholas. I can hear him breaking into our garage. Which I don't know why if Nicholas came home three months later, why he wouldn't just like knock on the door. Right. Like breaking into the garage would be weird. So they came, the police came and said that there was no sign of breaking or entering, there was no no sign of Nicholas, nothing that said that he had been there. So it was a very strange phone call, and so they thought that maybe he was just hearing other things or something, like an animal or something, so they had no no evidence of anything else, so they just left. Um, But he wasn't in the garage, he didn't come back home, he didn't knock on the door, nothing like that. I thought that call was very strange, if yeah, you ask me. that's weird. After that, there, it went on for a couple of years that they were looking for him, and he, they couldn't find him. So at that point, his family, his sister, his brother, his mom, they all have given up hope. Uh, he, they would ever find him. Because, I mean, I mean after a couple... Yeah. It's, hold on. Right. And so it's... Uh, after it gets on to going on years, like, you're like, I think he's... I think he died, like, somewhere. But you still always want answers. So three years later, 1997, he was 16 years old, or he would be. Nicholas Barclay was reported to be found and alive. Crazy, right? Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Um, But they said that they found him in Spain. From Texas all the way to Spain. Insane. (laughs) And so... So Nicholas said to the police, he said that he was part of a sex human trafficking ring and that he was able to escape his captors. And during that time, he was forced to only speak French and that he had been abused by people in that, um, in that, in the sex trafficking ring. His family was uh, notified and his sister had to go down and identify him and pick him up to take him back home. 
So his sister comes to identify him, and Nicholas was really initially afraid of his sister. She, he wasn't, he didn't want to talk to her. He was afraid she wouldn't recognize him, um, and he like. But but he had to stay in Spain until she met with him and like verified that that was her brother. He wasn't allowed to leave, so it was either that they both stayed in Spain or <laughs> like he met her and like right. faced his fears. So when they finally met, he wore a baseball hat and sunglasses, but she said that she knew it was Nick. He didn't remember much of his life from before he was abducted because he said that he blacked it out because of all of the trauma that he had experienced. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he said that he was forced to speak French while he was held captive for three years. Now, I don't know how he learned French if he didn't already know it. That was a weird thing to me, but yeah. he was forced to speak French for three years, so I guess he just quickly learned it because everyone was speaking French. If he wanted to know what was happening, he had to learn French too. Yeah. She was able to meet with him and hang out with him, and he, she showed him some family photos that did seem to jog his memory, um, and he had to take a test with police officers or um, authorities so, Nick, when he, was, when he went missing at 13, he had blonde hair and blue eyes. When he returned, he had dark brown hair and dark brown eyes. He claimed that they did some testing or medical testing or experimenting that turned his hair and his eyes a different color mm. uh, to keep his identity secret. He also spoke in a heavy French accent, uh, but he said that this was due to the fact that he spoke in French for three years. His family ignored any kind of red flags like that because they were so happy to have him home. Mm-hmm. And I can't blame them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I would too. This story was such a remarkable story that a documentary came to follow Nick around to see how he was acclimating to his um, being back with his family. And at this point, they thought that something was fishy. Mm. Something was wrong. So a private investigator, who also found the whole thing kind of suspicious, um, took pictures of Nick's ears from like um, interviews or um, from the documentary, and matched them and and compared them to childhood pictures of Nick. Now ears, if you don't know, they never grow or age; they stay the same you'll always have the same ears Mm -hmm. for your whole entire life. They're about as unique as fingerprints. So the two photos of the ears did not match. He reported this to authorities. And after being with the family for five months, um, FBI began to investigate this. So they took Nick in and they did fingerprints on him. And because Nick had a record back when he was 13, they had fingerprints of him. So, they found out that this person was not Nick. Mm -hmm. This person was a man named Frederick Bourdon, and he was a 23-year-old Frenchman. And he was a con artist who had had over 500 identities in 23 years. He grew up, like, on the streets. He he didn't have a family. He was in the foster system. He was always creating or, or changing his identity to benefit himself in some way to stay alive, really, honestly. Hmm. 
And Frederick actually owned up to it, obviously, after the fingerprints. But at that point, the Barclays refused to admit that he wasn't Nicholas. Jeez. The denial. He even admitted in court that he was not Nicholas and that he, um, and then he was also charged with passport fraud and sent for jail, sent to jail for six years. And they still did not believe him. Oh my God. Do you want to know why they didn't believe him? Because they wanted to believe that that was their kid and that they didn't want to believe that their kid is gone. Maybe. Oh. Or. Or. So, (laughs) investigators were baffled, and Frederick said that they even knew and played along with it. Like, they knew that he wasn't Frederick, that he wasn't Nick, from the day that they, they, he came back, and they kept playing along. He also claimed that Carrie, his sister who had come and picked him up, had fed him answers to pass the test. Jason, his brother, was not a fan of Nicholas when he returned, or Frederick, And he spoke only two words to him when he first met him, and he said, Good luck. Jason's call about Nick breaking into the garage is one of the most suspicious pieces of information here, because usually calls like that happen when someone's trying to make it seem like someone is still alive after murdering them. So both Frederick and investigators believe that the family were so willing to accept him as Nicholas Because either the family or Jason killed him, killed Nicholas, Mm -hmm. and they were so willing to cover it up that they were willing to live with this 23-year-old man pretending to be Nicholas. Before they were able to even ever investigate, Jason died from ODing. He had a drug addiction problem. Mm. Um, And Nicholas has never been found. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Um, this was, this, the, this was a really big case and it was really, it was covered in the, in the news, but there was a Netflix documentary made about it called The Imposter. And there's actually like interviews with Frederick about how he pretended to be Nick and, and a lot of, a lot of stuff. It, it was pretty crazy. Um, did you watch it? I did not. Yeah. I'll watch it with you though. Cause I would be interested in watching yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, we should watch it. Um... But yeah, so that is the story of, I guess, the disappearance of Nicholas Barclay. I think I have heard this before. But that's, yeah. I've heard a lot of stories like this. But yeah, I, that's the story of Nicholas Barclay. Hmm. It, I technically is not a solved case. But there's no investigation pending. I don't think that anyone's looking for Nicholas. No, probably he's probably buried in their backyard. I mean, that, that's what I would, why wouldn't they have tried that? I, I what I don't understand is Nicholas has run away. Okay, fine. Let's wait a couple days. Nicholas is still, you know, missing. What are we going to do? He's breaking into the garage. Why aren't we checking the family here? Like, I feel like there was a miss somewhere that they just were like, yeah, he's missing. He's ran away. Like, they just believed, believed it. Yeah. I don't know. I can't believe that they'd be able to, unless they excavated their backyard, I feel like they should have done some sort of research into their their backyard, like, I know it was a missing persons case, but they should have seen it, tried to check and see if it was a murder case. Uh, Yeah, any foul play, like like something. Any kind of blood around the house that, you know, like, 
I feel like there was some something missing there that for some reason they didn't get. Because I feel like every missing persons case that we've talked about, the parents or something are always questioned just in case. Yeah, like you know, all like, the like Tika's, people... Tika's family was all questioned just to see uh, from the bowling alley. Yeah. Her family was all questioned and they were all cleared by police. Even J.C. Dugard's family was questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and there was... A, always like the first suspect. Right. Anyway, it was... I, I looked up stories that had crazy twists and turns and I was like... These are pretty good ones. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. This good. I wrote them all down on my list of to dos. To dos. Yeah. <laughs> to talks about. Yeah. Huh? That's a that's a doozy. That's a doozy. That's a doozy. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in watching that now. Yeah, I definitely wanted to watch it, and then I was like, I can't watch it. <laughs> I can't do it right now. <laughs> um, I don't have time. But if you guys wanted to watch it. You should watch Imposter on Netflix. I'm sure it's a great one. So, this is almost October. We're almost the spooky season. Almost. So, we are we are going to have, again, special guests, bonus episodes, this, that. Games, crafts, <laughs> spooks, spooks, haunts. <laughs> um, and maybe a ghouly, spooky photo shoot. I'm hoping to have a photo shoot done soon. So we're going to maybe do a spooky photo shoot for you guys. So we'll post it on Instagram. Honestly, okay, so you want to know what I want to do? Hmm. Is I want to join the, the group of internet sleuths that do solve cases on the internet. Like, there's, like, my aunt told me about it. There's that documentary on Netflix. Like, uh, there's there's people who actually dedicate their time like, their free time or, like, just their all of their time to doing cases. I want to do that. I know, me too. I want to help, like, solve cases for people and, like, help people, even if it doesn't answer, like, doesn't bring them back, like, gives them some answers to questions because it helps people move on. Right. It helps people be able to get closure, even if it ends up being that they aren't still alive, unfortunately. I think we should carry the energy that we have for Gabby to all missing person cases, you know? Yes. So, spooky babes, if you, um, as you are laying your little head to bed tonight, do your best to spread as much good as possible. Be the change you want to see in the world. Spread love night. We will see you in your nightmares. The next time we see you, it'll be spooky time. Ba-ba-boom. We'll see you in spooky season. We'll see you in spooky season. <laughs> <laughs> Happy October.